welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. The scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself? Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So today we get to celebrate the ascension. And 40 days after Jesus resurrected, he went up in a cloud to go to the Father. And that would have been, we would have celebrated it on this last Thursday. But we as a church, we celebrate it on the Lord's Day, on the Sunday. And we celebrate it so we could celebrate it together with teaching and worship. Amen? The Ascension is one of the famous holidays of the five that the church historically has celebrated throughout the years. So the five that we celebrate throughout the year is first one being Christmas, the birth of our Lord. Number two would be the death of our Lord, Good Friday. Number three would be the resurrection of our Lord on Easter. Number four would be the ascension, which we're celebrating today. And churches throughout the world would be celebrating either today or this last Thursday. And then the last one would be next week is Pentecost Sunday. And all of these, we celebrate them because they all show the work of Jesus. They're all the person and work of Jesus. And it's so helpful. If you're not in a regular study of these things and celebrating of these things, what will happen is you'll culturally celebrate the coming of Jesus, you know, his birth, and you'll celebrate the death of Jesus and resurrection but not focusing on the ascension and Pentecost actually leaves us missing something. Because if he rose again, 
Yeah, that proves that he defeated death for himself. But what we see in the ascension and in Pentecost is that he, because he ascended, he can fulfill his promises to us. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the message. But this is why it's important to celebrate these other holidays, because it's all showing off the fullness of Christ's work. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are seated on the throne, lifted high, ruling and reigning. To you is given dominion. Your kingdom is forever and ever. It's an everlasting kingdom. Your throne is forever. You are to be praised forever. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you because you defeated death and you ascended on high. We ask this morning, Jesus, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to understand, comprehend, to see you as lifted high, to be able to trust you as king. We ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit right now. Speak through me. Help us to receive it for your glory, your praise, your honor. We believe that you can do this because you are king. You have the power to do it. We believe that you will do it. We praise things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if I were to ask you, pre-ascension, how were the disciples characterized? Like pre-ascension, think about it. How did Scripture characterize the disciples? You know, what would you think? If you were to think about how the disciples acted, what would you label them with? Like what words would you give them? You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is that they're like cowards. They were scaredy cats. They're always scared of Jesus leaving them. They're always scared of bad things happening. They're constantly characterized by their fear. Or another one, they're constantly characterized by their doubts. And what's interesting is some might say, no, well, the resurrection got rid of their doubts. But if you see, like in Luke, what we just read, if you look back there, Luke chapter 24, verse 38, and he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? They see the risen Lord and they're doubting. So it's not the resurrection that gets all their doubts answered. It's something else. So what were they characterized? Even in John, if you see, Peter hears from Mary that he rose from the dead, but he's doubting. Then they go into this room and they lock themselves in there. And Jesus magically walks through the door and he shows himself. They're amazed. Then the next week, what happens? They lock themselves in the room again. He shows up again. And then what does Peter do? A week or so later, he goes back to his old job. He starts fish, fishing. Is that what you say? Man, I can't. I don't know what I'm saying. Never mind. All right. He goes back to his old job as a fisherman. And he's seen the risen Lord multiple times. And he goes back to his old job. Like he had some doubts. He had some problems. But do you see how... Luke describes them after the ascension. So pre-ascension, they're divisive, they're proud, they're scaredy cats, they're arrogant, 
They're, they're doubters. And then look at what Luke says in Luke 24, 51 and 52. While Jesus blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Luke ends with this because it's a contrast of something happening to the disciples. The disciples were changed, not because of the resurrection. The resurrection is very important, and it needed to happen. But there's something about the ascension that actually changes their character, changes their trust. Now they're continually worshiping God and blessing God and trusting God. What in the ascension is so important? And that's what we're going to answer today. That's going to be, we're going to answer that question by looking at three things. And if you take notes, my three things will be, number one, how did he ascend? Number two, why did he ascend? And number three, where did he ascend? And so if you're taking notes, you can write them down. Number one, we're going to look at how did he ascend? Number two, why did he ascend? And number three, where did, where did he ascend? And so let's jump into the first one. So why is the ascension so important? Why does it cause so much change in the apostles' lives? Well, let's look at point number one. How did he ascend? If you look at Luke, he leaves one detail out that he adds in his book of Acts. And so in Luke, he says in 51, while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. So how did he ascend? He was carried. So let's flip over to Acts chapter 1. And this is the same author, Luke, the physician, but he adds something in here, which is really pivotal and important. So Acts chapter 1, and we'll read the account, verses 6 through 11. And just forewarning, we're going to look at a lot of scripture because I want the words of God to wash over you this morning and I want you guys to study this because this is a very important truth in the life of a Christian. The ascension of our Lord and him seated where he's at is so important to the Christian life that I think we miss a lot of times when we preach. So Acts chapter 1 verse 6 through 11. So when they had come together they asked him, Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So what carried him into heaven? A cloud, right? Why is this important? Why is this detail important? Well, do you remember if you're, you know, while you're listening to me, turn to Matthew chapter 26. Do you remember what Jesus said that got him killed? When he was on trial in front of Caiaphas, he says a sentence that makes Caiaphas rip his garments. 
And it's the truth that he would be on a cloud. He would be taken up in a cloud. It's interesting. So what's so special about this cloud? But let's read Matthew 26. We're going to read verses 57 through 68. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following them at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Verse 59, now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At least two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Verse 62, And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Verse 64, Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? What is it that got Jesus killed? It was him confessing that he was this son of man that was going to be carried on the clouds. What they do is so disrespectful and disgusting, but it needed to happen. God wanted this to happen, and Jesus knew the exact words to say that would get them so angry that they would want to kill him. And those words were, you will see me seated. You'll see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds. Why are these clouds so important? Because they were prophesied that the Messiah, this person, would come on the clouds to somewhere. So him confessing that he's this Messiah coming on the clouds is important because he's the promised one. And if we can look at Daniel chapter 7, it's going to be on the screen, but I would encourage you, look at it. This is an amazing passage. JC read it for us for our call to worship. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. I saw in the night visions, and this is what the scribes heard him saying and ascribing to him. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So why is this cloud so important? Because it's promised that this person would be taken up in a cloud and brought where? To the Ancient of Days, to the Almighty, the Creator, the Father, 
And so when he says, you will see the Son of Man coming, he's talking about his ascension. And so why is the ascension so important? It's because how did he ascend? He ascended in a cloud. A cloud took him up. And that cloud is not just any rain cloud. It's the glory cloud. It's the presence of God. When you see cloud in Scripture, it's almost always talking about this presence, the Shekinah glory cloud. So God was pleased to pick him up. Other people in Scripture have ascended. Elijah, Enoch, but they did not ascend in a cloud. They were not promised to ascend to the Ancient of Days, to the Almighty. Why is the ascension so important? It's because how he ascended. He ascended on a cloud to go somewhere. He ascended to the Father. And so why is it so important to the disciples? Because they saw this guy, this Son of Man, ascend on a cloud and it was a huge deal it should be a big deal to us too he ascended on a cloud now point number two why is the ascension so important well why did he ascend let's look at a couple passages there turn to john chapter 14 so think about that as you're turning there why is the ascension so important think about why jesus said he needed to leave there's multiple times where the disciples did not want him to leave. We're actually sad that he was saying he was going to leave, but he said he had to leave. There's multiple times where he said, I have to leave. Now think about it. Why? We're going to look at two passages in John 14 and John 16. So John 14, starting in verse 12, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Look at John 16, starting in verse 5. Verse 5 through 7. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Why did he ascend? He ascended to give us his spirit. And why did he have to ascend? Like, why couldn't he stay here and still give us the Spirit? Well, because he didn't have the authority to. He didn't sit down as king, as ruler, but now him, as our king and our ruler, he can now give gifts to his people. And the last verse that I'll share on this point, look at Ephesians chapter 4. That's a beautiful passage about him giving gifts to us. Ephesians chapter 4 starting in verse 7. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also 
descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So why did he ascend? Because he had to in order to have the authority to give his spirit, to give gifts to his church. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? He ascends so that he can help us. He ascends so that he can give us what we need. He ascends so he could take care of his body. He ascends so, he, so that he could fill the whole world with his body, which is his church. And he gives gifts to us through teachers, evangelists, shepherds, apostles, prophets, through evangelists, to do the work of ministry, to build us up. And we are a part of that blessing. Because he ascended, he can give us this gift. Why was it so important? Why was the ascension so important? It's because he needed to leave to give us the Spirit. Amen? And our last point, where did he ascend? So look back at Daniel 7, or you can just wait for it to be on the screen. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. I've mentioned it, but where did he ascend? I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven... There came like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, and this will be up on the screen as well. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Where did he ascend? He ascended to the Ancient of Days to sit down at his right hand to rule and to reign. Why was the ascension so pivotal in the disciples' life? It's because they saw a king go up. If he just resurrected, that proves that he defeated death for himself, but that did not prove that he could defeat death for them. But because they saw this risen Lord ascend in a cloud to the ancient of days, the almighty God, and sit down, they have confidence that all the promises that have been given to them and given to us will be fulfilled. Why? Because where he is at, he is seated at the right hand of power. Amen? He is king. He has dominion. So he has authority to decide what will happen. So what has he promised you? It will be done. Isn't that amazing? He has promised to give life and life abundantly. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me because he has authority we are all partakers of that blessing. We heard our king's call and we obeyed him. We heard our king save us and so we love him. We heard our call, king's call to us and he embraced us. So today, this morning, Christian, 
all of God's promises will be fulfilled. All of Jesus' promises will be fulfilled. Why? Because he ascended on high and he's seated as king, as ruler, and he has dominion. He is king of kings and lord of lords. After making purification for sin, what did he do? He sat down and he holds the universe in his hands. He is mighty. He is the almighty. He sat down. He is king. No one else is. No matter where you find yourself in this life, no matter what ruler you find yourself under in this life, he is the king of kings. He tells them what to do. He decides everything. He decides even if a hair falls from your head, he cares for us. How much more will he care for us, Christian, who he purified through his blood? He is our high priest who loves us, cares for us. And he's not just our high priest that makes sacrifice for us, but he's our high priest who sits down and rules for us. And so every promise he has made will happen. Will happen. Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? No, because it is he who justifies. Will he hold anything good from us that's for us? No, because he cares for us. Us who are evil give good gifts to our kids. How much more will our heavenly Father give perfect gifts to us? And he can and he is able because he's king. The ascension is so important and it changed everything for the disciples because he is king. Amen? And last thing I want to end with, Matthew 28. We miss this in the Great Commission. I think a lot of us miss this truth in the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Again, how would the disciples be characterized pre-ascension? Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that crazy? Some doubted. And Jesus, verse 18, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what gave them confidence? Because they even doubted here. Like, do you see that? They doubted. It's so mind-blowing. The risen Lord, he has holes in his hands, a cut in his side. They saw him die. And he's healthy now. And he's walking around. He's glorified. He's walking through walls. And they doubt. It's mind-blowing. What in the ascension changes? That he's king. And these words are true. Verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, make disciples. And you know what? They were able to fulfill this command, this commission, because he was king, not because they were good preachers. 
They were able to fulfill this command because he is king. That's why he says, go. All authority is given to him in heaven and on earth. Go, listen to me, and this plan will succeed. And we're a part of that plan. You were saved because someone went and succeeded because the king called you to his reign under his authority. Amen? And so I want to give us the same call this morning because he is king and this call is to us today. He has ascended on high. He made purification for our sins. We are forgiven, brought claim to him. We are forgiven. All of our sins, he remembers them no more. He holds them behind us. He can't even think of them because they're satisfied on the work of Jesus. And he ascended on high and he calls us, each and every one of us, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Go, make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Go, make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Go, make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Go, make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Go, make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, our king. Go, make disciples. And you know what? He will do it as we obey him. He will fulfill that commission as we go. Because why? He is king, seated on high. He ascended in a cloud and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving your Son to us. Thank you so much for the good gift of your Son. Thank you so much for being such a good Father that you planned this for us. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for being a good brother to us, that you would care for us, that you would lay down your life for us, that you resisted sin even to the point of death, to shedding your own blood. We ask that you would help us, Lord Jesus, to keep looking to you, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, to keep looking to you where you are at, seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand. Look to him, the author and perfecter of our faith, who sat down at the right hand. Lord Jesus, help us to see you seated in power, in glory, having dominion. You are king, we are not. We thank you that you receive us based on your work. We are under grace, not under law. Help us to walk in that forgiveness this morning. Help us to walk in that forgiveness this week and help us to go, therefore, and make disciples. You are king. Help us take over this world through your message of your kingship. We love you. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at covegraceminifee.org. May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.